Welcome to the Therapeutic Food Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Mitchell. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, therapeutic diet expert, and founder of The Road to Living Whole. There are many different diets out there. It's hard to know which one is right for you with your chronic illness and autoimmune disease. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you the foundational pieces every single therapeutic diet out there shares, and also how to use the best one for your particular diagnosis. If you've been looking for a meal planning partner, help navigating the complicated healthcare system, and want to feel better quickly, I'm your girl. Grab your kombucha and notebook. Let's dive in. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited for today's interview. I have Dr. Jeremy Ayers with us, and he is another author of The Red Pill Revolution, and we just have so much to dive into today. He has the most fascinating story, and I can't wait for you to just really learn who he is, learn his passion, and we're going to dive into some complex chronic illness and, you know, just kind of walk you through this journey. So Dr. Jeremy Ayers, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, well, thank you, Marion. I've been putting you off uh, because life has gotten away for the last four months. And I <clears throat> I know you've spoken with my great friend and business partner and co-author, um, John Gusty, and also the brilliant Graham Atkinson, who's, who's known as a red pill pharmacist, and also Ben and Phil, uh, who are also co-authors of the Red Pill Revolution and the soon-to-be-released Red Pill so Food excited. Revolution. So All of you guys are just so incredible, and I love your passion and your goal of educating you know, the masses on what real healthcare looks like. And, you know, I'm excited for the book because the the food book, because I know that it's all the pieces that I took years having to dig deep on the internet to find. And it's all in one place about the history yeah. of our food and modern food and where it's at mm -hmm. and why it's so detrimental to our health and leading to all these chronic illnesses that we're seeing. Um, so I'm excited to have you as the fifth author here. And so can you tell us a little bit, let's look, dive into your okay. education and, you know, your kind of your path of, you know, becoming a, you know, a DO to where you are today. Yes. Well, I, I think where I'd like to, you know, I'm 30 years doing this now and, and, and very successful at helping, you know, very ill people become well you know, my clients are from all over the world my, my wife when i met her 13 years ago was terminally ill and she's thriving today for example but i think i wanted to start with you know and i can speak for all of us that none of us none of us woke up one day and decided that we were going to pick every controversial subject uh, out there and talk about it because that will make us successful that will make us you know affluent and rich and well-known and well-loved and well-liked and, and and let's go and do that it's it's it really i think it's a really fundamental place to start because if you're listening to to me or or someone like me for the first time you know usually we talk about everything is upside down hence why we wrote the red pill revolution and the red pill food revolution because everything is upside down and inside out and it turns out it's deliberate and before, and I'm sure your audience is probably used to these things, excuse me, before, you know, people start throwing the, the usual accusations of conspiracy theory or, or quack. I wanted to make that statement. We, if I wanted to make enormously more amounts of money than I do, you know, I would be promoting many different things that I will never promote and that are currently popular. And, so I wanted to sort of tell you that story quickly of how we got there, or at least how I got there. So at 12 years old, I was set to become a, a carpenter and joiner with my family building business. In fact, my, my brother was a, a bricklayer, I suppose. In North America, you'd call it a mason, you know, working mm -hmm. with bricks and stone, but bricklayer, we'd call them here. And and I, I actually thought that my parents had only had me because they needed a carpenter and joiner in the in the building business because my entire life i was told that's what i was going to do but at 12 years old at t and i'll use this terminology i would speak differently now but cancer came into our family for the first time in fact it was my brother's wife's mother 
was diagnosed with breast cancer and that's what you're told and and at 12 it's very shocking and you start to see the detrimental effects that has on on a family and relationships and the worry and the anger and the and all these different things and my brother's wife's mother had conventional treatment and sadly went on to pass and you know the story you get at the time is you know we did everything we could but um you know sadly uh, my brother's wife lost her mother and they were all very upset and everyone was upset and there was a lot of anger and a lot of grief and what have you and at, at the tender age of 12 and the naive 12 i went to myself you know well this has got to be fixed because this is just terrible right or, you know i mean a 12 year old this is just, just terrible it's got to fix this there must be a a course or something out there to learn how to fix this and then pretty much i kind of forgot about it uh, at the time i was national champion in canoeing or kayaking in in england so that was taking most of my time and i went on to be an international and uh, in the olympic training squad and gain international medals so that really took all my time and sure enough i did train initially to be a carpenter joiner and entered uh my my father's family business of building until I was um, 21 and I hurt my back very badly, um, so much so that it prevented me from going to the Olympic Games, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because, to be honest, I was hating competing. You know, I just, my entire life had been training, competing, and that's just degrees of losing and winning, even though I'd got to a high level. And to be honest with you, my heart wasn't in it anymore. But I went to see an osteopath. And I'd never liked doctors. I mean, the, the, I, I hadn't set out to not like doctors. And I don't, in my adult life, particularly dislike doctors, but we'll get to that subject later. But I didn't like doctors. I, I suppose it was a bit like a dog going to a vet. I just didn't feel like this is the right place for me. So I'd always avoided them naturally. And I didn't know what an osteopath was. And there was a guy attached to the Olympic training squad. So because I was in so much pain, you know, and he was charging very little to, to people in the squad. I went to see this chap called Ron Johnson. And he had a bit of a sort of factory osteopathic clinic going up. He had lots of people working for him and lots of beds and <clears throat> curtains and no real price, no, no sound privacy anyway. And I didn't know what to expect. And I went in there and um, he was a portly chap. He looked more like a traditional English butcher than a health coach of any sorts, you know, but, but, a, but a very, a very lovely chap. And he, he examined me and then handed me over to this Eastern European woman that had more facial stubble than me and bigger muscles. She was she was terrifying and put me down on this couch in just my boxer shorts, so semi-naked and proceeded to uh, massage me into tears. And because we're English, <laughs> uh, we don't complain. You Americans, you complain. We don't complain. We write a letter <laughs> the next day, you know. But there I was in tears, you know, with this woman torture. Well, this alleged woman, um, I think she'd had a few steroids in her time, but but torturing me <clears throat> and thinking, my God, I can't wait to get out of this. And then along came Ron Johnson without any uh, explanation, put me into these strange positions, which I thought were maybe pseudo sexual positions at the time. And then all of a sudden he cracked my back and the pain vanished or, or, or near vanished. And that was it. That was it for me. The revelation happened. It was just like, I have to do this. You know, that that was the moment. I, and I went away just convinced that this is the only thing that is for me to do in life. But I'm a builder. I'm a carpenter and joiner. I'm a, you know, a, 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 I was just in absolute trauma, to be honest. I wasn't sleeping. I didn't know what to do. And after a torturous year, I decided to write to the best osteopathic college in England or the United Kingdom and uh, managed to get an interview. I managed to convince them that I was meant to do this. I, looking back, I think they needed the money, you know, but but at the time I thought somehow I've got to get them to listen to me. So I, I went along for the interview, about 22 years old now. And the chap I sat with who went in before me was very clever very intimidating. So my nerves that were already, you know, amplified were, were now in a in shreds, how clever this chap was. And I was going to go in after him. And he asked me, what did I know about the King's College Review or something like that? I knew nothing 
about the King's College Review, but I knew enough to ask him, what do you think about the King's College Review, of which he proceeded to tell me. And so when I went in for my interview and I sort of gave my best pitch of why I meant to do this, their one question was, what do you think of the King's College Review? So I repeated everything that this chap had just <laughs> just told me, and uh, I was fortunate enough that that convinced them to give me a, a place on this you know, prestigious osteopathic degree course of which I started. And after a year on that course, I was absolutely bored out of my brains. And I couldn't believe it. I was, I, I was like, what do I do now? I'm absolutely bored. This is not what I expected. And sitting next to me was this northerner. Now, I don't know what your listeners know about England, but we sort of have north and south. And there's been this great divide, you know, but, but really it, it isn't a great divide. There is and there isn't, you know, but uh, this northerner and the northerners are famed for speaking their mind without censoring it in any way. And he, he turned to me once one day I won't use the exact words he said, but he basically communicated that this course was terrible. And I, and I was shocked uh, that he was saying the same thing. And he said to me, his father was a great osteopath and he trained under a great man called Harry Hawes from up north. And Harry, who was in his mid-70s, was starting a college again. And did I want to come with him up to Durham, which is right up north? And it, was, it, it turned out to be in an old Catholic priest college in the middle of a moor. It was like an old... Hammer House of Horror movie. You probably, your listeners probably don't know Hammer House of Horror, but it was always moors and mist and old buildings. And, you know, anyway, so I went up there with this chap and the equipment was terrible. Everything was ripped and old and knackered compared to what I'd been to. And then I sat down and listened to Harry Hawes speak and I knew I'd found my first mentor. And, and I know you would have probably had similar experiences when you're in the company of true geniuses, not that he would accept such words, and true healers, a, 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 a gift to humanity, you just know. And, and he wouldn't have accepted any of those terms, but he was. I said, that's it. You know, I, I've got to be here. And I was very fortunate that Harry and his beautiful wife, Doreen, who was 80, uh, saw in me something which I've gone on to, to, to prove what was correct. But they saw something in me. And in fact, he took me one side to one side one day, which is very intimidating at the time. And he says, you've got it. Now, I felt I had it, this, this, this gift or this desire to learn. And for me, it was all remembering. When I was going through the course, it was like remembering anyway. But he said, you've got it. And he took me under his wing, very much under his wing. And I'm glad to say that he gave me great diamonds and great skills and great abilities. And when I came out qualified, not that you feel qualified, I don't think anyone of any profession. In fact, I was more terrified than before, before I began. But he, he taught me, he said, listen, you know, you, you'll attract to you what slightly more than you're capable of, but you learn it on the job and you do. And so I started treating people. But during this process, this cancer thing came back from 12 years old. And I don't know whether I was naive or arrogant. I don't think I was arrogant. But I was like, I want to know how to heal cancer. There must be, you know, or, or all, the, all the worst ailments that man, there must be out there. I was that naive. And I thought there'd be a degree course still or something like that. And I actually was at the Osteopathic Awards ceremony um and i'm very glad i didn't get osteopathy year so i'm much better than i got it but i was having a fantastic weekend got very stupidly drunk uh, and had a terrible hangover the next day which is very unprofessional but that morning i went to a lecture with a woman called barbara wren who was going to talk for two hours on water and i remember thinking how on earth can anyone speak for two hours on water and i i turned up late and it was in a um, a double door conference room in a hotel. And I opened the double doors and it was like a bad spaghetti Western where, where you walk through the double and, and everyone, you know, the piano stopped playing. Or Barbara stopped talking. She looked at me. Everyone looked at me. I looked terrible because <laughs> I was hung over at the time. And I sort of sheepishly uh, slunk into a, a, a seat and sat down and Barbara began talking. And within 15 minutes, my my mouth was on the floor 
this woman was describing dis-ease, which is how it should be described. That's where the word comes from, dis-ease, not at ease. This woman was describing dis-ease like I'd never, ever before heard it described. And it was beautiful because it was so simple. And, and, and you know, Harry had taught me, you know, the power is in the simplicity. You know, if, if you can't teach what you know to a, a common man, he meant that in a complimentary way, a, a sort of working man way, then you don't know what you're doing. And Barbara just started to, to, to demystify complex dis, dis-ease subjects like I'd never heard of it. And so at the end of that two hours, although it was an hour and 45 minutes for me because I'd walked in late, you know, I went up to strutting up to Barbara uh, Barbara Wren, a genius of our time, expecting her to be utterly impressed by what I was about to say. And I said, you know, you've got to teach me this. And she said, no. <laughs> she shot me down just like that. She said, go away for, for eight weeks and drink two pints of water or approximately one litre or two litres of water a day, or sorry, four pints of water. Here's my phone number and call me in eight weeks. So I did that. And I couldn't believe the change in me because prior to that and i know you've spoken to graham atkinson who was equally a great runner and athlete i'd been a carb hungry monster all i ate was carbs and i was you know god knows how i got to international level i was always knackered which is exhausted for americans i don't know if you've used that word but always exhausted or fighting staying awake always needing sleep always injured always hungry always moody you know, because that's what carbs will do. I want to interject there because um, yeah, I work with a lot of athletes as well and a lot of marathon runners, and they always change from a really healthy balanced diet to like 70% carbs and they gain weight, they slow down, all of that stuff. Yeah. So it's it's legit. Like it's almost like they push athletes because like, oh, you need carbs, you need to fuel your muscles and then all of that. So I just wanted to interject that because it's it's totally a thing. Yeah, I mean, all we ate was white. I would eat a loaf of bread a day and a load of pasta and donuts and, you know, just just carbs, 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 carbs. And, you know, I was holding down a full-time physical job as well as training twice a day. But I was always utterly exhausted, literally fighting sleep. And so when Barbara, you know, said, no, I won't teach you, go away and drink, eight, you know, four pints of water and call me in eight weeks, the change in me was dramatic because we know carbs are, are, are you know, hydration hungry. So it, it started to make a change. And cut a very long story short, um, I went and joined Barbara's course and I moved to Devon where she was. She very quickly, again, I'm glad to say, saw something in me and began to mentor me. And after two years, uh, I started lecturing at, at the college and it was like, it, it really was I don't know how this sounds, and I and I hope it doesn't sound arrogant, but it it really was like remembering for me, and I believe it was remembering because I think we've all been here before, and I think we've chosen to come back here and and see this world through a very important transition. But nonetheless, it felt like remembering rather than learning. It was just such a natural thing, and uh, Barbara, uh, the gift that Barbara Wren gave me, which I will forever be grateful which I'm probably the most well-known for, you know, 30 years on and internationally, you know, pretty well-known and pretty well-respected, is my ability to take a case history and see this ease and describe it in words that people understand. So the most complex, fearful problems that people suffer from, once I've taken a case history, I can show how that has manifested into the body and then the protocols then dictate how not only how we're going to, God willing, undo that, but the processes that are likely to uh, they're going to go through. Because, you know, if it was just, you know, hey, Marion, take this, take that, you know, bugger off and see me in eight weeks. Tell me to, you know, it'd be easy, but it's not. You know, I, I work very closely one to one with people to, to help get them well. And now I have a a membership course we've had over 1400 people some of them very seriously ill mostly get themselves well or tremendously better so it can be extended beyond the just one to one but it's that's what barbara N gave me and as i progressed further and further past barbara as i think you'll know and your audience will know 
sadly, the more I researched, because I have the tools to ask better questions, shall we say, the more I discovered that the answers have been deliberately hidden mm -hmm. or deliberately polluted. So you'd get part of the answer. So we were always behind the eight ball. And the more isolated intellectually you become from the system's accepted knowledge. <clears throat> so whether you like it or not, if you are in the pursuit of helping people to get well, because my job is to get rid of you, yep. right? Not keep you. I mean, modern day doctors, they get paid to keep you for a very long time. My job is to get rid of you. And I do a very good job in the nicest possible way. We work ourselves, we work of ourselves out job, of a job. Exactly. And, and my 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 um, career goal, I won't achieve it, is to make myself redundant. But but the word doctor originally means teacher. And what we're doing is is teaching people. And most of it is unlearning what they've learned and what they've been taught. This is why we wrote the Red Pill Revolution, which is a very, very uh, palatable pill to take we've written it as a bridge not not to ram it throw it you know ram it down your throat but we've written all the main pillars of at best corporate deceit because corporates have taken over the world i don't think this is a shock to people they're a well-polished marketing machine selling nonsense and you know uh, selling poisons as as health and you know everything else in between and at very worst which unfortunately there is a very nefarious uh, elements behind and higher up the corporate ladder. And if that upsets people, I I'm sorry, but 30 years I've been doing this and it just is time for us to put our good big girl pants on and just start having some tough conversations about who's really behind pushing these uh, agendas. And I'm glad to say that many of my colleagues that even Graham Atkinson, who is, uh, I helped, you know, Graham came to me for help. He was in a very bad state and he's a brilliant man. And thank God we have Graham Atkinson's on our, on our side, but the sort of system scientists, system doctors, uh, system nutritionists, they would have probably not spoken to me pre COVID or, or pre COVID, I think is more accurate. <laughs> And now th this wonderful event, and I say wonderful knowing how many people have been harmed, so I want to explain that maybe. So many of the people that would see me as probably on the real periphery are now talking like we talk and we're coming together. Professor Tim Noakes, Ivor Cummings, Dr. Gary Fetka, you know, e even the carnivore doctors, Sean Baker and... Paul Saladino, so they have recognized that something very nefarious was behind the last few years and that food is one of the main agendas they have gone to literally. Sorry, Professor Tim Noakes, who's extremely well respected, has essentially said, if you push a plant-based diet, it's an act of genocide. And I, and I know that's still controversial. To many people, but I have vegans coming to me in a very bad state of health. I am aware there are some people that thrive on veganism, but it's very few. And we can get into that later because uh, we can talk about diet and what is probably ideal diet. But I'm fully aware of octogenarians, noctogenarians, and centenarians that aren't carnivore or even keto. Right. So we can talk about the aspects of what is this eat, if you like. I would love to go there. Your, you know, your story is absolutely the same, right? Like we just, we come from this place and we just want to know more. And the more you learn, the more disillusioned you become and realize, wow, what's being pushed is actually harmful. And the reason is money and control. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just like the state. And I always tell people when you're like new to the health world, I'm, 15 years into this, right? And so I've kind of gone through the layers. What I love about you and all the authors of the Red Pill Revolution is you do make it palatable and you're not shoving it down people's throats, but it's just explaining Absolutely. this is how it is. And the way that it's explained and the information you share took me 
hours and hours and hours and years of research. And I also think it's a great starting point because I don't believe you should ever take anything at face value, right? Everything, everything that you guys share, you can find information on and you can decide for yourself. And I just, I love that. And I'm so looking forward to the red pill food revolution because it's the same thing. It's all this stuff that it took me years to learn combined in a book. Well, we, we actually make a very important statement because my mentors taught me this way. My mentors taught me, don't believe a word I'm saying. Right, question everything, and that's so powerful. No, uh, we we've been told what to think our entire lives, whether you realize it or not, mainly by repetition. Right. Repetition is mass mind control. You, if you want to get people behaving and thinking, so keep repeating it, and it, it, eventually they just accept it. So my mentors taught me: do not believe a word I'm saying. Because they they believed very strongly that if you look with a critical mind, you will come to similar or same conclusions. Now it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into disease. Let's talk about Mm. what you have learned from it. Because you, just like I do, we deal with really complex chronic illness. Sometimes it's what I quote unquote say simple is it's like a one and done deal. But for the most part, like... I deal with people who have one diagnosis plus, 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 and you are in the same boat. So let's, let's talk about that. Cause I feel like that's a lot of people, especially today, post, post COVID, post COVID people are really open to like, wow, I don't have to suffer from all of these things, but I don't know where to start. So let's kind of, let's just dive into that. Okay. So it's, it's a great place to start. And to start there, we have to start with some fundamental philosophical principles because without a philosophy you're just you know you're just working uh at guesswork so the first philosophy which is what i was taught and it's fundamental and it's proved itself over and over again to me is your body does not know how to work against you it's just not made that way you can prove this by when you get a scratch or a graze or a cut you know, even if you're a complete dumbass and pay no attention to it, your body begins to start healing. That's the way it's programmed. Yes, you might need stitches and uh, and and resetting things like. And that's where medicine is absolutely brilliant at, by the way. You know, or potentially brilliant. You know, trauma medicine. That's about where it should have stopped, in my view. But um, it, once you start with your body doesn't know how to work against you, you then naturally progress to. So, what is it doing? You know, what's gone wrong? And this is very, very important and fundamental because people come to me and write to me from all over the world because my consultations are all via Zoom. It's, it, my, my clinic is all entirely online now. And they write to me or they, they what have you is with, I've got this syndrome or this disease or this problem, or whatever it is. And, or, and they've, had a, they've had a diagnosis. Well, every word is made up of other words and diagnosis is made up of three words. Di means to, ag means not, and gnosis means to know. So it literally means two people not knowing what the hell is going on. And yet, <laughs> and yet, when people have given a diagnosis, it is literally like a spell. Mm-hmm. And I mean this very seriously. When, when you look at, when I worked with um, the brilliant Clive DeCarl, who you may or may not know, he's he's very big in, in England, and he used to be a hypnotherapist, but he's a very competent uh, practitioner who I broadcasted with for several years, he, he said, when you get given a diagnosis of cancer, most people will die exactly when they say, because it's like a spell. They believe it. You know, and those that don't accept it and just go off and travel around the world or what have you and do nothing, don't. And so this diagnosis is very, very potentially damaging. So the first work that I do is I take a case history from pregnancy, from the pregnancy with their mother, um, including, um, was it a vaginal birth? Um, and people are like, why are we back here? Well, if you didn't go through uh, the, 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 uh, the birth canal, you didn't receive all this wonderful pre-microbiome that is in your mother's uh, uh, um, birthing canal. And some of the uh, enlightened uh, midwives now, it's a bit yucky, but if you're cesarean birth, which, by the way, if, if God intended you to have a cesarean birth, you'd have a zip or Velcro there. You know, Now, I know it saved lives, but most 
cesarean sections are to suit the doctor's timetable and and not you. But if you have a cesarean section, you don't get seeding from the bacteria in the in the birthing canal. Some enlightened midwives now will swipe their fingers inside the vaginal canal and put it in the baby's mouth, start seeding it. Now, you know, America is two out of three, pretty much, are cesarean. So they started life compromised uh, microbiome. Number two, most midwives aren't trained anymore, at least if they are, they don't do it, to allow the placenta to pump for up to five minutes after the birth. And it's it's giving up to a third of the baby's blood and plasma and stem cells. And, and if it's clamped straight away, the baby doesn't get that. So the immune system is compromised. So if baby comes in immediately uh, in a stress state, uh, under uh, hasn't got the right uh, blood and stem cells and other things, and hasn't got the right microbiome to seed it. And so if it's then not breastfed, which is nature's way, it's not breastfed, we already have a baby, and this is when I take case history, that starts to get rashes or eczemas or digestive problems or what have you. And that's usually where the dis ease begins because they go to the doctor and the doctor gives them antibiotics or creams or and what that does is it suppresses the disease that was trying to remedy itself and so literally it starts back then it could even start when you're in the womb and the mother had a tremendous trauma dad left her or had an affair or her, her mother died. you know these traumas go in to these babies and into these children then we progress every 10 years along and we see what traumas and toxicity now unfortunately babies particularly in america and here are up to 35 38 vaccinations okay and, and people will say well are you an anti-vaxxer no I, i'm an anti-bullshit or or an anti-lies or anti-bullying and my question always is to mothers about vaccination is what's in it and most mothers, in fact, pretty much all doctors and nurses won't know what's in it. They'll go, oh, here's a leaflet and it's been proven and data and da, 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 which is nonsense, by the way, because it's very bad science. But <clears throat> you go, going to, but what's in it? Now, if you go, oh, and that's my problem. You don't know. If you were to go away and see what's in it, everyone that I've given them to do that task, they wouldn't put it in their baby's mouth let alone their veins or their blood. And so you see, again, we're back to education, aren't we? But of course, most people are vaccinated and then they're chronic illnesses, they're eczemas, they're you know, um, uh, chronic digestion diseases or migraines. Or if you're a girl, you tend to go straight into uh, difficult period problems and then you go to the doctor, which is the first red flag that something's wrong for a true doctor, but you go to the doctor and they put the girl on the pill, which immediately imbalances the progesterone, which is the happy hormone, and the estrogen. Estrogen should be slave to the master, which is progesterone, but it flips. You get very moody, very aggressive young women. None of those around, right? No one listening has got a moody, aggressive teenager with problems, right? But you see, right? And, and so they, they're, they're suppressing, suppressing. That disrupts their, their gut normally, and so they start to have more carbohydrate, sugar-hungry microbiomes, and so they think they crave carbs and sugar, where really it's their bacteria craving the sugar. And so they get into these behaviors that seem normal, <clears throat> excuse me, and before they know it, they're getting chronically ill. They go to doctors. The doctors do everything wrong at this point. All they really know to do is manage and suppress and treat symptoms. That's all... That's all they really know what to do. And it just suppresses, suppresses. And to do it with pills. And to do it with pills. And, you know, you've had Graham Atkinson on, and one of the books I asked him to write is called Baby in the Bathwater, which is what do we keep of medicine, a very small baby, and what do we throw out? The bath is more like a swimming pool. Because you, you can't be deficient in a pharmaceutical drug. You can be deficient in, in amino acids, in essential fatty acids, in minerals, in vitamins. And as you well know, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, most people wouldn't know food if it came up and slapped them around the face. They're not eating food. They're eating things that don't make them immediately drop dead. 
but they're not eating food. We literally at a time where we have to define what is food. And so this accumulates and then trauma, and this is really important. If you ask me what is the crux of the serious um, diseases and where does it heal, it's at the trauma, the mental emotional level. And I'll just give you one example, if if that's okay. Yes, please. Okay, so I I had a, a she become a good friend of mine, a wonderful woman. Um, she was um, a European woman. Um, come to me a couple of years ago with the label bladder cancer, and it wasn't looking good. I mean, she was a very intelligent woman. She was a headmistress, loved her work in the school, loved the children. She worked for a tyrant, so the the board above her or whoever, you know, the money people, was a woman, and she was a real tyrant. She had her walking on eggshells every day. I don't know if that's an expression the Americans, yeah. but, but, you know, literally walking on petrified of getting in trouble and upsetting, you know? <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I, know, I know because of Chinese medicine that every organ has an emotion. So the liver is anger. Uh, the liver and gallbladder is anger, and the uh, kidneys and bladder is fear. So I was expecting there to be fear in her case. And when I took a case history, there it was, five, ten years of working for this tyrant, walking on eggshells. And so a few years into that, she started to get bladder infections, right? And so she knew, she deep down knew what it was, right? Because it was her, her fear element which was affecting her kidneys and bladder. But like, I'm too busy. Her, her, her other disease was busyness. I'm too busy. I can't not be at work. So I'll take antibiotics, which should only be given in life or death situations, in my opinion, sepsis, that sort of thing. And she'd get back to work and then the infection would come back because she wasn't resolving the disease. And then uh, it would come back. And then they gave her a, a fluoroquinoline, which is a fluoride-attached antibiotic, which are absolutely dreadful things. Um, uh, and uh, she went into absolutely catastrophic health failure, no energy, and then that developed into bladder cancer. And so w the protocols we did with her were to uh, to detox her body, to rebuild her microbiome, but absolutely fundamentally learn why did she why did she allow this woman why did she allow this fear and so she dealt with all that we did a lot of work on that she got well completely well and then i love this because people's harmonics change and it, harmonics is this frequency you give off because we're all looking for peace and harmony in life this 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 realm we live in is harmonics and in the beginning there was the word it's sound right and lo and behold the tyrant called her up and she was terrified again this woman was calling up and she answered you know hello and the woman said you know what i've heard about your story and that you've gotten well and i want to tell you that you're amazing and and deep down i've always admired you and and you you've intimidated me because you're you're such a good teacher and so she just had this heartfelt sort of confession that she'd been bad to her because she was making her feel insecure and so i love this story because all we're ever dealing with is this ease and if you know a tyrant out there they're in pain they're frightened they're suffering and if they don't deal with it in the correct way no one no one escapes this you don't deal with it it will manifest into something physical and force you in my opinion to deal with it. My wife was the same. She ignored things, ignored things, ignored things until it was breast cancer. And that that stops you. Right. And I'm glad to say she's I met her when she was terminally ill. And 13 years on, she's thriving. That's those are such theirs was so amazing. And this is what I love about diving into health. Like obviously I'm a, I, I work mostly with food. But what I know about health is how much mental and emotional wellness is really yes. the foundation. You cannot heal it really is. fully until you address that. Like there's all these pieces of the puzzle and some are more important than others, depending on what's going on at the time, but they're all important. 
But the mental emotional wellness, if that is not addressed, you're never going to fully be well ever. Absolutely. Well, I have the carnivores coming to see me. I have the vegans. I have the keto. If if it was if food and and it's an important part, but if food healed all, we'd just give you a diet and say off you go and write to us when you're better. But but the trauma. Um, is the trigger and there's something you may or may not have heard of or your listeners may or may not heard of is german new medicine um have you are you aware of german new medicine Mm-mm. okay so this chap this is this is absolutely beautiful because i think he came as close as we've got to a real scientist he was an oncologist at a german oncologist dr hammer describing chinese medicine or at least aspects of Chinese medicine. So Chinese medicine will be yin and yang, destructive or growth, and it's all energy being stagnated and stuck in the body and that sort of thing, those sort of concepts. So Dr. Hammer um, was a German oncologist. Um, I, I hate to use the word treating, but I'll use it for this, treating people in the normal oncology ways, uh, cut, burn, and poison, because that's what it is. Um, surgery, radiotherapy, and and chemo. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, he developed prostate cancer two years after his son was stabbed to death. Mm. Um, which, but by, by I think by an Arabian prince or something. It was very public. So it was very traumatic. You know, full on trauma. And he wondered, which is very unlike a German because they're very lineal. They don't tend to think outside the box. I mean, they're brilliant lineal thinkers, but. He wondered if perhaps the trauma had anything to do with his prostate cancer, very male orientated, you know. And so he decided to start asking all his patients, had there been any traumas, particularly in the last two or five years? And all of them had had significant trauma. And so he decided or wondered whether there was a sort of physiological sign in the body. And he did CT scans of the brain. And he found these calcifications, not like a lump, but more like uh, um, astrology. This, this, I can't think of the word now, but um, a, a pattern, an identifiable, than rather than one solid, a constellation. That's what I want to say. More like that than a, than a one solid. And he, he realized that it was in different parts of the brain. And so when this trauma happened, if it wasn't resolved, and you, you, you imagine you've had a big trauma, Physiologically, you go into fight or flight, your physiology changes, your heart rate changes, your ability to digest food changes, everything changes. But if it's not resolved, it actually calcifies in the brain. And if that isn't resolved, it will then manifest in the physical body, which is related to where it was in the brain, as destruction of tissue or growth of tissue, the yin or yang. And he formed German New Medicine on the back of this. And unfortunately, like so many geniuses, he was absolutely persecuted for it and eventually put in prison and died a broken man, like so many of the great people that have contributed to humanity. They ended up persecuted in prison or um, ruined or, or, or something like that. But I believe he had so much right and I've tried to bring the the Eastern and Western aspects together because they're pretty much saying the same things. But I assure you, trauma. Met my own wife, her son, uh, who is my stepson now, became autistic right after the MMR vaccine. Now I know there's no studies or evidence showing that MMR vaccine. I know all this bad science, but I've talked to all the women that have witnessed the MMR vaccines turning their children into autistic children and natalie is one and then he went into seizures um, by the drugs they gave him and this vicious circle went on for many years and that caused natalie great stress and then her father had a major stroke and that was the trigger and she manifested breast cancer in the right and the right is male and the left is female now no it's not 100 percent, but it's usually pretty close and so this is when you start doing a true case history you're putting all these things logically together you know, I, I had a couple, a, a, um, a, a mother and a daughter, her son died, tragically. And she developed rheumatoid arthritis and the daughter developed anorexia. It was all within about 12 weeks of the death of the son and the brother. It's the primary trigger. 
and you can you can put the best protocol together uh, if you don't treat and address the trauma and allow a space for human beings to grieve or let it out or get angry or whatever it is good luck yeah that's i'm so glad that we've we've really dived deep into this because i think that it's a piece it's probably the scariest piece to approach because it's yeah. you're literally having to face yourself and allow yourself to to feel and to process and to do these things i know like i'm i'm one of those that i don't like to rock the boat i don't like confrontation even with myself and um you know it's scary to to have to really dive into our why and what is going on and and all these things that we've shut down having to open them up and feel the pain all over again we're very pain averted you know we avoidant people right and i can say that when we do approach it head on it's quite freeing on the other side i've had somebody come on and talk about uh emdr so the mind body processing of trauma yeah. and you know that's one of the modalities there's several modalities that do mind body connection but at the end of the day, it's 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 the space to be able to allow your body to process and whatever method helps you to do that in a safe way is so important. And I just those your case studies are so powerful. That's I'm so thank you so much for sharing that. Um, is there any so if we if we go to the very root, which is trauma, then from there, what can people do to continue to help give their yeah. body what it needs to be well, able to heal. I I respect greatly what you just said, because that's most human beings. I mean, who wants to wake up and go, Hey, let's bring up all that shit that happened to me when I was a kid or my first boyfriend or my first marriage, you know, who'd no one. Right. But if you haven't dealt with it, it is stagnating, right? Everybody listening now, if they think of something very traumatic in their life right now, they'll feel a heaviness or a tightness somewhere in their body. That's the energy that the Chinese spoke about that is stagnating. And if it isn't dealt with, it will manifest into something until you pay attention. Okay. And that is why I teach that when people come to me with all these frightening things and these frightening prognoses and all this fear, 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 it really is a potential blessing in disguise. My wife, when you meet her, because I'm coming to America, I'm sure you will, will tell you, and cancer saved her life. Now, she didn't say that at the diagnosis. She was petrified, frightened to death, right? But it started a process of changing everything. Now, you, my job, which is why I do the membership course and do so much broadcasting, is I want to prevent it. That's the best doctor, right? Okay, I want less work, not more work, right? Yes, right. we can get people well, mostly, God willing, right? But it's rather you deal with it now. Everybody has suppressed shit. Forgive my language, but they have. It's where this language has come from. That's why there's so much colon problems. Where do you think these words have come? Oh, she's full of shit. She needs to let go of that shit. It, these languages come from a knowing that these emotions get stuck in certain organs. We used to say he's livid. It's a very old-fashioned word, right, for being really angry, right? But anyone out there right now, I, I had a chap, he's one of the top engineers in your country, uh, uh, contact me three years ago from hospital in a very, very advanced, bad state of health. And I said, look, I'm not going to do a consultation with you in hospital, but I'll tell you how to get out, which is fasting with salt water i got him out and did his consultation and sure enough there was lots of anger in his life daily resentment and anger i knew there would be he's thriving now. he had to deal with it and he can now see that he was refusing to deal with it by being busy he was in busyness and so his body manifested a liver and gallbladder problem and made him why because we're not just here to make healthy slaves we are here for a reason there is a soul we are here to do something to contribute to live to love to serve and if you're not on that path your body will stop you 
Yeah, absolutely. This is just so, so good. I'm so glad that this is um, what we're talking about today. Um, And I'm just like, I just have all these thoughts that I'm like processing, but mostly I'm just in awe and really excited that we have brought to light how essential this is that, you know, getting emotionally healthy and and addressing these things and learning how to process them in a healthy way is absolutely fundamental. It's fundamental. I mean, I would say that like if if thinking about a pyramid, the baseline should is this. It's not food. It's not sleep. It's emotional and mental well-being. And and that is why you will see so much on the Internet of carnivore didn't work for me or keto did work for, you know, they 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 will. It's strewn. And why why people go, well, you know, maybe not every day. If the, the carnivores that don't have many traumas will thrive on carnivore and be writing carnivore healed everything. Right. And the ones that didn't have much trauma, keto. And the ones that didn't have much trauma, vegan. Or you can you can get well on vegan if you're fat. Uh, and then you'll lose the weight because your body basically goes into ketosis. And then eventually I think you'll find your body needs nutrients that you just can't get. However, if you've got the trauma right in there that's unresolved, it won't. You know, I had a I had a male nurse who'd been carnivore for three years in New York. <clears throat> Excuse me, and his terrible digestive system would not heal. And he came to me and I took his case history and he was working in a New York hospital. No stress there. Um, I'm being sarcastic. He wasn't paid very well and couldn't afford one kid. So he had five, no stress there. And his father was a very well-known preacher and he wanted to be a preacher, I felt, and wasn't quite up to it. And I think he felt that as well. And uh, essentially, uh, uh, lots and lots of stress literally in the old days they would have called it a nervous stomach he was in fight or flight but if you go into if someone breaks into your door breaks into your apartment and you're eating the your favorite meal right you don't go oh just wait i'm just finished this food because it's delicious immediately your appetite goes because fight or flight your physiology sh- changes you stop being able to digest things right so he literally right. was a nervous stomach. That's what they'd call it in the old days. And I said to, I had to bring his whole family in. I said, this man needs to move to Florida for a year, <clears throat> just cut lawns, and you need to bring in the extended family and look after, help look after the kids. And otherwise, this man's not going to heal. And he won't. And he hasn't because he hasn't done changed any of those things. When he does, he will heal. It's fundamental. And see, what we do, Marion, is when we take people on is we dispel the diagnosis. So we remove fear. And all the protocols and all aspects of the protocol is to remove stress. Why? Because as you come out of fear or stress or worry or anxiety, your body knows what to do. And it will open and it will start to yield and it will detox chemicals, it will detox mercury, and it will detox trauma. It's a very scary process. I find that when people have been symptomatic for so long, it becomes part of who they are and they don't know who they're going to be without it. And I think, and then also I know coming out of my own fight or flight, I felt like a hot mess and I was absolutely exhausted. Like I just felt like I didn't have the energy for anything. I just wanted to sit and rest. And that is so foreign in our first world culture, you know, um, again, the busyness. Because right? you've been it's... programmed to be in busyness. You have forgotten you're a human being. We've all been made into human doings. You see, if we're going to talk about dis-ease, we have to go, and we're going to use words like normal, which we can't use anymore because everything that's normal is abnormal. We have to go first, what's natural? You were not, none of us were built to work 50, 60 hours a week in constant stress, are we paying the bill? We were meant to be in a, when we look at the tribal people, they have far more fun and have got nothing, right? They they hunt, they they make food, but they're far happier when you, no, I'm not saying we need to go back to that. I want the technology and all the trimmings and proper sewage flushing and all that sort of stuff. However, most people are not authentic, right? They're, particularly in the corporate world, it's just, you know, hey, Marin, how are you doing today? And really deep down inside, they go, oh, God, I hate Marion. 
right? But in the corporate <laughs> world, they're just lying to each other, right? Marion's really pissed me off today, but they won't say it. Hey, Marion. You know, the corporate world is full of liars. So people aren't authentic. They're under constant stress. They're in busyness. And if you really want, you know, Graham Atkinson talked about what we're really doing, the Naturally Better World Health Project, is we're going to create true healthcare again and true doctors and true nurses. How are we going to do that? By being honest. And the facts are, we are not built to be in busyness. We are not built to be in constant stress. We're meant to be, oh God, there's a wolf chasing me. I need to fight or run and then it's done and go back to being at rest and digest. And so, yes, there's fundamental shifts that have to happen. Because right now, after 50 years of modern medicine and corporate influence or brainwashing, is America happier and healthier? No. No. So we have to make America healthy again. And that means we've got to put our big girl pants on and start talking about what was it like 50, 60, 70 years ago when one person was working, you know, and we had more time. And, you know, and I'm not saying to go back. To, I'm not talking about feminism. I'm talking about we have to go back to how we were designed to function. And that is living in tune with nature, living outside, being happy, looking after each other. When I grew up, everybody knew where the key was. It was under, underneath a dodgy flower pot or a stone that shouldn't be there, or it was on a string through the letterbox. Everybody's house. We, we, we had neighbors. We parted together. We talked. Most neighbors don't talk to each other now. Mm -hmm. And that's being done by design. That is dis ease we need to if we're going to build america let alone any country back great again we've got to build families back we've got to build that will build a good community we'll build good societies and a good country it's not difficult no nope. um we have used up our time and i feel like we could just go on for so much longer but um this has been so good. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? And also, how can they contact you? How can they find you? Yes, well, thank you. Um, we could, and I hope, I hope it doesn't sound arrogant, but the amount of broadcasters have said they could talk to me all day, and, and I'm sure we'll talk again. But um, I've formed um, 30 years of my work into a membership site where people can do a 90-day challenge. It's full of a, the most beautiful international community. I'm not just saying that. These people, they've done the protocol. Most of them have got better or are in the process of whatever it is. And that's at my website, which is my name, jeremyairs.com, which I presume will be in the show notes. Um, yep. You can contact me there. I, you can contact me for one-to-one -one Zoom consultations there. And also if you want me on your podcast or something. Um, I, I also have a page on the redpillrevolution.com as a co-author of that book and we'll soon have the naturally better project up which is which is the sort of you know what it's so beautiful marion because graham atkinson probably wouldn't have talked to me four or five years ago and now he's my you know well john's my right hand man he's my left hand man and the amount of doctors and nurses and true scientists that are now once criticizing graham reaching out to him and reaching out to us we are transitioning those people in medicine, I believe, truly wanted to do good. And when they got inside of it, they realized it's just prescribing drugs and, it, you know, it's not it's not healthcare. And I believe they're good people and I believe they're not happy in their gut and soul. And I believe they want to do great work. And I believe we can all work together and um, make everyone healthy again. I agree. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media, or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. Be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. 
If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www.roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health dash coaching backslash. Until next time, friend. Bye.